more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Hanging out on this Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316 on the Twitter machine. He is at underscore Dylon Matthews. This is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So the Atlanta Falcons did interview Ryan Nielsen for their open defensive coordinator position. So Nielsen is currently with the Saints. He's been their defensive line coach uh, for the last handful of years. Um, He's also been their co-defensive coordinator. Uh, He was the assistant head coach in 2021 for the Saints, but he's been their co-DC, and he's been, I think, for the last, what, four or five years, Uh, maybe a year or two longer than that. Uh, Well, let's see here. He was hired on uh, February of uh, 2017, so he's six years into being the defensive line coach. Look. Uh, they've had the Saints, if, if nothing else, the Saints have had a really good defensive line, right? I mean, whether it was Gillette or whether it's, um, uh, you know, Marcus Davenport or uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the guy that sacked Matt Ryan all those times. This is where I'm brain dead. Cam Jordan. I almost said Cam Hayward, but I'm like, no, that's not right. So Cam Jordan. Um, so, look, they've been a good defensive line of scrimmage team themselves, they've also had a really good offensive line of scrimmage. You, you look at the number of pro bowlers and stuff like that that they've had, you know, Ryan Ramzik and guys like that, Pete and some of those guys, you know, they've always been a pretty good offensive and defensive line. So, um, uh, you know, they like to get after the quarterback, um, you know, but again, he's he hasn't been their, you know, full-time defense coordinator. He's been just a a co-defensive coordinator. I, I want a guy who's been, in all honesty, I want a guy who's been in the job and, and who's had the responsibility fall directly on his shoulders. I'm not saying that this guy wouldn't be a potentially good candidate, but, you know, I, I, he doesn't have, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Now, one guy who's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL is Steve Wilkes. And, you know, as soon as he did not get the Carolina Panthers job, rumor and innuendo was going around about whether or not, you know, hey, could the Falcons be in the mindset to to bring him in, you know, or potentially bring him in. Now, here's the thing. he's He's been a head coach twice, right? He took over for Bruce Arians, and then obviously he took over for Matt Rule. So he's been a head coach a couple of times. Here's the only thing about Wilkes that I wonder. You figure he wants to be a head coach again, and you figure that he did a pretty decent job in Carolina for what they had to work with. Remember, they traded Christian McCaffrey away, and they were, who is it, P.J. Tucker? 
PJ Walker, you know, you know, pajama bottoms or whatever, flannel PJs or whatever it is, you know, PJ Walker, you know, they won some games with guys like that. You know, they were expecting to have Baker Mayfield. That whole thing didn't work out. They traded away, you know, arguably, you know, one of the best offensive players that they've had in their franchise history. Although, you know, obviously he's been beat up, banged up over the last few years, but he's been outstanding for the 49ers. Um, But, you know, he's done some good things. And so you probably figure that, let's just say that he turns the Falcons deep. Let's just say he comes here, turns the Falcons defensive around uh, in a short amount of time. He's probably going to get another head coaching gig, and he's probably going to probably going to be asked to, you know, look, a third of the league always fires their coach. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I was surprised that Tepper didn't hire him on as the coach. I, I don't know about the whole Frank Reich thing. I mean, that just blew up for that just blew up for the, you know, Indianapolis Colts, but you know, Wilkes is one of those guys that probably is going to be a head coach again. You know, uh, you know, he took over for for Bruce Arians. He took over for Matt Rule. So he's not started the season as a head coach, but he's been, you know, he's been a defensive coordinator in the league. He's been a DC for uh, Carolina. He's been a DC for the Cleveland Browns. You know, he was even a DC for Missouri. So. I just wonder about I just wonder about how long he would be here if he has any sort of success. Because I thought he did a good job in Carolina with what he had to work with. And I I I would think that he would be able to parlay that into a job. And at this point, you know, look, we're gonna talk about Dan, you know, in in a little bit here in the in the uh, NFL squib kick. Dan Quinn, that is, you know, we'll talk about him. But, you know, I wonder if I wonder if Wilkes is looking at being a head coach again in the NFL. Nothing wrong with that, you know, if that's if that's what he wants to do, but I just don't need a rental DC. That's the only thing that I will knock about him, um, is that it could potentially just be a rental hire when all is said and done. All right, let's do a uh, mock draft. This is from Pro Football Focus from Marcus Mosher. So they've got the Indianapolis Colts moving up to the number one pick. And with that pick, to Eric Edholm's point, they select Will Levis out of Kentucky. The Texans at number two draft Bryce Young. Arizona drafts Will Anderson. The Bears, who uh, swapped picks with the Colts, They draft Jalen Carter at number four. Seahawks, Tyree Wilson at number five. Detroit takes Brian Brissee at number six. Uh, C.J. Stroud is at seven. And then the Falcons get Miles Murphy, um, rated as the sixth player uh, on PFF's big board. Uh, Here's what the write-up is. There wasn't a team in the NFL with a worse pass rush than the Falcons. How many times can we say that in a row? Last year, the year before, the year before that, the year. I mean, other than the Super Bowl year, we haven't generated pass rush since 2016. But anyway, um, while while they were playing several rookies and young players, it's a unit that needs to improve. 
Murphy is less talented than Will Anderson Jr. or Tyree Wilson, but he is worth a top 10 pick since he can play both defensive end and defensive tackle in sub packages. Well, look, I'm I'm a fan of Murphy. Um, I would not mind that pick at all. Um, I keep I keep boy if if CJ I mean CJ Stroud on this mock draft went one pick before. I, I would I, again I would be tempted. I, I I would I would very much be tempted to take a hold of CJ Stroud if he fell to eight. I know, I know we got to load up on our defense and things like that, but, you know, I, I would be very tempted, you know. I, and I like Desmond Ritter. You know, he was my favorite draft pick from last year. Um, but I think Stroud is just – I think he's one of those franchise-changing quarterbacks. Like, I, I – you know, and again, he can he can get out and, and he, can, he can have mobility. You know, we saw against Georgia – um, and again, if you watch C.J. Stroud, he did it against Northwestern. He won that game because of his legs against Northwestern when they were throwing into 50-mile-an-hour wind. You know, that was a Ryan Day special. But nonetheless, you know, he won the Northwestern game with his legs. He certainly did some damage against uh, Georgia with his legs. But he can throw it all over the yard. He's accurate. He was throwing to NFL-wide receivers. But – I, I certainly like Miles Murphy. I, I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be interested to see how Tyree Wilson grades out, you know, when it's combine time and just, you know, some of the things about him. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, Tyree Wilson. I, I know who he is, and, you know, I, I'm familiar with him. But I saw a lot more of Miles Murphy, Brian Brissee. I saw a lot more of those guys, you know, playing at Clemson. But I'm I'm just saying, like C.J. Stroud would be very intriguing if he fell all the way to eight. I still don't just see a scenario where he gets that far. I, I just don't. I just think that once he starts getting on a field, whether it's the combine or whether it's you know individual team workouts, when he just gets on the field and he starts just flinging it around, somebody's going to grab a hold of him. Somebody's going to grab a hold of him. I would much rather have C.J. Stroud if I'm the Colts than than Will Levis. And again, you know, Will Levis may be a fine pro prospect, but and, and I when I saw him in person, like I said, he was Bo Callahan, but he did not play that well this year. And they were a very good running team. You know, they had Chris Rodriguez, and they could really run the football. Their offensive line maybe wasn't as good this year as last year, but they were still, you know. Chris Rodriguez was first-team All-SEC, you know, a first-team. He was preseason first-team All-SEC. You don't get, to, you know, in, in that conference, you don't just, you can't be just a ham and egger and get to that level. But they just didn't take advantage of it. And, you know, certainly their play caller, their wide receiver play and things like that. But I just was not that impressed by Will Levis. Just watching him, you know, in a lot of games this year just was not that impressed. So we'll see. But, um, you know, if, if C.J. Stroud somehow fell to number eight, man, I'd be, I'd be intrigued by that. But I do, I do really like, um, I, I do really like Miles Murphy, you know, um, you know, as a <coughs> excuse me, guy who can play inside and outside. All right, when we get back, 
Kurt Heelan, we'll talk to him, lead uh, NBA writer for NBCSports.com. What he has to say about the Hawks, we'll bounce around the league a little bit as well. Chuckery here in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. To more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Thursday evening is, well, we're approaching the trade deadline in the NBA. We're past the halfway point of the season. All-star game still coming up. A lot of news and notes as we... Look around the league, and of course, uh, a lot of things going on with our Atlanta Hawks. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy, Kurt Heelan. He is the lead NBA writer, manager, managing editor for NBCSports.com. You can follow Kurt on Twitter, at Basketball Talk. And Kurt, as always, man, appreciate the, uh, the time and, uh, you know, a lot going on in the NBA, but a lot going on here in Atlanta with these Hawks. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not been it's not been the smooth transition and and season at all with uh, with um, Dejounte Murray coming in, and certainly not <coughs> excuse me, certainly not the season the team or fans expected. What do you make of all of the, for lack of a better term, backstage drama? Um, all of the things that have gone on behind the scenes with this team I mean you know separate from what's happened on the court what do you make of all of these stories that have come out about how dysfunctional and that's the word that's been used and thrown around in NBA circles about how dysfunctional this Hawks organization has been yeah it's it's been um, a a talking point all season long and and partially I think it started out just because Nate McMillan has a lot of friends around the league he's a he's He's been around forever. He has a lot of fans, but the the challenges. I'm I'm trying to think of the right word. I mean, look, there just doesn't seem to be a situation right now, or maybe it's getting there with after all the changes, where there is a where everyone was on the same page and pulling the rope in the same direction. And when that's not happening, when everybody doesn't have the same vision for what you're trying to build and do in the front office, it gets it's messy and confusing and you end up with kind of awkward decisions. And hopefully, you know, I, I, hopefully they are with this now, hopefully for, for Hawks fans, at least they're whatever's going <laughs> to, whoever's driving the boat at this point, like at least everybody's hopefully, you know, rowing this thing in the same direction at this point, which I don't think was the case for a while. And that's, that does bleed onto the court, man. There's a ownership is still, Good ownership is still the greatest advantage, not just in basketball, but like professional sports. Like, good ownership matters. So you mentioned about Nate McMillan, and, you know, of course, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a story that came out that, you know, maybe he's considering retiring, and he kind of shot that down, but he also left it open that maybe at the end of the year, and there's a growing consensus about whether or not Nate McMillan will be the head coach of, of this team uh, next year. What do you kind of get the sense is the future of Nate McMillan with this organization? Yeah, honestly, I, I don't know anybody around the league who thinks Nate McMillan will be back um, 
next season with the Hawks. That the the choices they've made, the direction they're going is is not. <laughs> he's there for right now, but he will not be back next year. That uh, they will get a a coach they feel is better suited to, to getting more out of this young core. I mean, that's part of it too. Is that fair or not? Whether this is all on him or not, um, or, or however you feel about him. Coaches are scapegoats, man, professional sports. Like, if things don't go right above you or just players aren't executing, you get the blame for it, whether that's fair or not. And I don't want to say Nate's blameless in a, a in a disappointing season, but it's also all not on him. Um, but sometimes that's what – it's it's the easiest move to make because you can't fire the coach, and GMs don't like to fire themselves. Well, let me ask you then, follow up with that. So – do you think that Nate, if Nate McMillan leaves this position, do you still think that he's a viable commodity that he will get an NBA coaching job after this and and he'll be in whatever demand that there is, sort of demand to, to get an NBA job in the offseason? W- first off, I would imagine he is back on someone's bench next year um, as an assistant. Uh, if, you, if you want then and never spring. <laughs> Nate McMillan for, I mean, it could be another situation where if he gets a head job, it's because he took over midseason like he did here, right? Uh, like he did in Atlanta. That Maybe that's what happens, but how should I put this? He's not seen around the league as a dynamic, innovative, cutting-edge young coach, but he can also be just solid. And sometimes, if you, depending on where you are with your organization, just a professional coach can be what you actually need. So I never rule anything, you know, there's very few coaches I would ever rule out of getting a job again. Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com, joining us here in the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, and one guy that I, I, I've said that DeJounte Murray is the MVP of this team. He's not necessarily the best player. I still think that falls on Trey and things, but he's made so many winning basketball plays and you look at his contract status, he's under contract this year, he's got one more year, and then he can walk. Do you get the sense that DeJounte Murray is, you know, comfortable playing with this organization, comfortable playing with Trey Young? We know Trey Young recruited him pretty heavily, but, you know, they paid a pretty good price if he's just going to walk in two years. But you're also looking at probably a guy who – Maybe isn't max, but boy, he's he's on the cusp of of you know yeah. straddling that max money type of line. What what do you think about the future of Murray? Yeah, he would have a lot of interest from around the league because he's a two way guard because he can because he deflects everything. He's got those long arms because he's a good defender. Um, plus, he can just kind of run the show and plays this. Um, work on or off the ball. Like you can put him in a lot of different situations and have all, uh, there's an absolute demand for him around the league. And you're right. I would say not max, but pretty, relatively close to it with, you know, with today's um, salary cap numbers. Those are, those are eye popping numbers, yeah. but I think teams would see him as, as having that kind of look, this point guard is still the, the position. It is, um, you know, is where your best player is, but, Go ask the Clippers, just or better yet, go ask the Knicks how my functional point guard mattered, right? Just in terms of like winning some games and not looking like crap every night. Um, 
I think that there would be a high demand for him, and he's going to have to I, – I don't know how frustrated he is or isn't with – you know, I don't, I don't want to spend on where his mindset is, but he he's in the ad, advantage position of just having options. If he's – it's not just the money going to be good, good money anywhere. He'll be able to go where he wants to play, where he thinks he can make a difference, where he feels he fits. Um, and the Spurs, I mean Spurs, the Hawks have a year to make that Atlanta for him. I mean, he came there, he sounded like he wanted to be there. They're just they're going to have to ensure it. Let's uh, bounce around the league uh, a little bit. Is is it is it very probable that Joker's in line to pick up his third straight MVP with the West and the Wave and the way he's played? Is it very possible that he's going to win his third straight MVP? It's definitely possible. I mean. I, it, We'll see. I mean, I don't think Luca is totally out of the picture yet, but a lot of guys have eliminated themselves. So, well, eliminated themselves is maybe the wrong way to phrase that. But like, Kevin Durant was absolutely in the mix for this award, and I think he's just going to miss too much time. Stephen Curry was maybe the best player in the league over the until he got injured and, and has missed all this time. And then one of Jokic's advantages on on top of the wild on off numbers and just the fact that he's really good um, is that he's durable. I mean, he plays 75 plus games a year when everybody else is playing 65. And that when you're thinking about how much value you're adding to a franchise, how valuable you are as the most valuable player, being on the court matters. (laughs) It matters a lot. So it's not, I mean, I think I had him and I did this, a while ago, and the Mavericks have stumbled since then, which I'm not totally sure. I got a feeling it's more Luca wearing down because, you know, Atlas can only carry the earth for so long. Now. Like, that yeah. heliocentric system is a little much for him, uh, for anyone, but that could be to their advantage. And I think there's voter fatigue. I, I think that's real guys with Jokic, and he'd have to be overwhelming, and they would have to win. They are winning. They are, and he has been as impressive as ever. So, yeah, uh, there, there is a very real chance he picks this up. How far ahead of everybody else in the Eastern Conference is the Boston Celtics? When healthy, I think – when healthy right now, I think pretty far. The, the, or enough of a step that I would trust them more in a seven-game series. I think – Close, but they're a little bit thinner this year. They 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 are out looking for another Jay Crowder, PJ Tucker type, and and a little more depth. Um, they have four really great players, and it drops off after that. Um, I think Boston trusts its depth a little more. Brooklyn's good, but I think you can push them around. I think the team that might give them the most trouble, the second best team, might be Philly. I mean, they've been playing so much better lately. Um, the challenge there is just had more than his share of big game elimination game meltdowns um and i don't know if that cancels out with the massive number of elimination game meltdowns that doc rivers teams have had or if it just kind of you know it's an exponent you know it's it's a multiplier i i'm not like they're going to have to prove they can do it on this biggest of stages but right now they might look like the second best team just because they've kind of got Tobias Harris is a good player. And since they moved DeAnthony Melton into the starting lineup and, and when they're healthy and they can bring uh, Maxi off the bench, that's a, that's a really good, dangerous team. Is the one team in the Eastern Conference that maybe 
nobody wants to play in a first round matchup is the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, I look, I think they're going to be incredibly good in a few years, but I, I am a believer that you do have to learn how to win. I think at a certain level in the NBA and you can, you can do that and transfer it. Like the, you know, the 2008 Celtics win the title that first year that Garnett and Pierce and, all, and Allen are all together, but they'd all learned less in other places they could bring with them. I think this team is so young outside of Donovan. None of them have a ton of playoff experience, except for Kevin Love, obviously. Um, I just think that, I think there's a learning curve there um, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do. They don't have a lot of great wing defenders and that's going to be a little bit of a problem going up against Boston or Milwaukee with those elite wing players. So I still think that they're a year away, but I also think in the next few years, let's put it this way, in the next few years, the Cleveland-Memphis finals, Hmm. you know, that may not be the television suit's favorite matchup, but I think we could be on the way to that. Last question for you, Kurt. Um, Are the Sacramento Kings the most surprising team in the NBA this year? A little bit. They're better than I thought they were. I mean, I thought they'd maybe be fighting for one of those seven, eight playoff spots, and they've been obviously at three. They're way better than that, even in a crowded West. And aren't they just – I don't know. It feels like the best story of the NBA, the most positive story in the NBA this year to me. Just That is such a starved fan base for – I mean, 16 years. Yeah. (laughs) I I believe the last time they made the playoffs, there was a Bush in the White House. Like, it's been (laughs) – forever since then since then and the way they've not only rallied behind Sabonis and it's it's a fun team to watch it's a fun team to watch on league pass if you get the chance because they are a really good offensive team with Sabonis and Fox and they don't play any defense so it's just a shootout every night and that'll catch up to them in the playoffs but just making the playoffs is fun for them the whole city has rallied behind this like the beam thing they've got going which Feels like it could have been corny, but like everybody's buying in and they're they're loving it, and the, the fan base is loving it. And you know what? It's good to have those stories. It's good to see a long tortured fan base be rewarded like this. On Twitter at Basketball Talk, he is the lead NBA writer, and managing editor for NBCSports.com. Kurt Heelan joined us on the WaitFor.com hotline. Kurt, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes uh, in Atlanta. Good to catch up, and uh, we'll chat again here soon. I look forward to it, man. Take care. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 19 on the game and the Odyssey.com app. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in Kia Studios. Thursday night with you. Been a long time since we did a Thursday night show, like literally before the NFL season started. So probably like end of August or something like that. Uh, been a while. So um, hanging out with you here till 11 o'clock. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, absolutely catch it on the go. Social media at 910 the game at JMCH316. <clears throat> Excuse me. At underscore Dylan Matthews. Uh, we will be here tomorrow night, by the way, too. Uh, so we got a Friday show, which we haven't done in quite a while. Uh, I don't know when the last time we did a Friday show was because we had the high school show and then um, uh, maybe before the maybe before the start of high school. 
like maybe like the week before like Labor Day or something like that. Probably was because then we, uh, we the high school show went up until right about Christmas. Yeah. And then, you know, you were gone, obviously. I was brain and then, dead. <laughs> and then, you know, I was for a few weeks there, I was brain dead. And then we had the high school show. So, yeah, it had but, to be probably before high school football season. Yeah. So that would that would be, well. I'd be that close like, to September, August, too. Yeah, I was going to say, like August, August, oh, August somewhere. Yeah. yeah, because they start they start in August. Like, heck, they've already, I mean, most schools already have a month in by the time they get to Labor Day and everything like that. So, um, my daughter's passed like a hundred days at school, like a week or so ago. So like, they're really on the, on the downhill slope of going to school. So won't be long. I mean, won't be long for everybody getting out, but anyway, um, we'll get to what's bugging Chuckery here in just a minute. We, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble coming up at the 1040. Since we got Rankum coming up tomorrow night, it is a Friday. We, uh, we're going to do some uh, Royal Rumble talk uh, tonight as the, Pay-per-view is on Saturday, or the, I should say, um, correctly, the premium live event is Saturday night. So, and I'm a big fan of the Royal Rumble. I'm, I'm, it's next to WrestleMania, this is my favorite pay-per-view of the year. I like the Rumble match. When the Rumble's done right, it's a great match. I like the Women's Royal Rumble. The 2019 Royal, the Women's Royal Rumble, when Becky Lynch won that thing, like, that was that was fantastic. The way that they booked all that, and it was great. You know, taking over for Lana and you know Fit Finley, putting her in the rumble. Like that whole angle was was great. So we'll talk about that uh, at ten forty. We got um, uh, that's life, obviously coming up at uh, nine twenty uh, tonight. So all right, let's uh, let's get to what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Dylan, have you heard of this show, this power slap show? Yes. That's put on by Dana White? Yes. Okay. I've seen the videos, too. So, okay. I'm ready to hear this. Uh, this is the ultimate trailer park trash show on all of tv like this is the most ridiculous concept in the history of mankind like where can you go from here like stabbing somebody with a sword cutting off limbs like where does it go from here and listen if you think i'm brain dead these are some of the most brain dead people they literally are just openly inviting concussions and things. You know, Chris Nowinski, who is a big, uh, well, he's a former he's a former WWE wrestler. Okay, he does a lot of work with um, you know with CTE with concussions, and and he's very involved because that's why he got out of wrestling and things. Okay, and and he's a he's. Very heavily involved. I don't know. Like, he's an Ivy League guy that that went to school there and things like that. But he did some breakdowns of some of this stuff. And, like, he was like, you can see that guy getting his concussion. Like, this is the ultimate trailer park trash show. We're literally watching people get concussed. Yeah. I mean, you see, like, in some of the videos that have surfaced, 
You see, there's like a lady, she's stumbling, a dude, he just right. completely falls out. I mean, right. it's crazy. I mean, this is legitimately creating brain damage on TV. This looks like, this looks like, you know, like that Honey Boo Boo show is like, <coughs> like, like Ivy League level stuff compared to this. It is. Excuse me here. It is just the lowest of the low. And Dana White is, look, he's already all goofed up, right? He was just, you know, the reason the reason that they had to delay the show a week when they debuted it is because he was caught on video slapping his wife. So how big of a goofball is he? Who would watch this stuff? When, especially when you know that people are legitimately getting hurt. Again, like, what's left? Sword fights where we just cut limbs off of people? It's ridiculous watching this kind of stuff. Especially, like you said, after everybody knows, you know, uh, of what has happened to, to yeah. certain NFL players right. who have, uh, you know, officially suffered from CTE, you know the effects of having concussions. Right. And- Things like that. It's hard to know that you can watch this. I mean, you know, as a guy who's had a heart attack, had a stroke, you know, obviously had some some brain things going. How can you sit there and watch all of this nonsense? It's it's again. And by the way, the ratings, like when it day, I think I think it's debut. Because it comes on after AEW Wrestling on Wednesday night. I think its debut was like less than 300,000 people. Like it was 200, it was 280,000 people that watched it. Okay, that's 290,000 more people than I would ever want to talk to or associate with. Because right. there's 10,000 production people and executives and things like that. I don't, I, let me tell you, I wouldn't associate with any of those people that were sitting around and watching this, literally. Because what, do you really not have anything better to do? There are, I can, call me, I can give you so many other shows yeah. that are better to watch, so many other right. things that you can, it's better to watch paint dry right. than to watch that. How about just, let's, let's film, I take a hammer and smash your foot. Like, honestly. Like, I know, let's film, I pull your fingernails out with pliers. I mean, and I, I saw somebody, some guy, like, they they were, the payout on something like this was like two grand. And I'm thinking, okay, so I caused permanent brain damage to myself for two grand. I'd live I'd live in a dishwasher box before I'd I'd take two grand to invite myself to a concussion or brain damage or anything like that. Because these are big people slapping right. you. This ain't this ain't me, no, a no, skinny no. person no. slapping you. These are like ripped people and, and slapping they, you. And they practice it on a regular basis to where they have the technique and the force to knock you out. Right, because that's what the goal is. Hey, 
Here's the show that invites brain damage from people stumbling around on the floor. And Dana White's in charge of all of it. This is this is a ridiculous thing to watch on television. I didn't see the I didn't see the show. You know, I've seen but I've seen like the the video of it like, you know, like they they show them online people slapping each other. Like this this whole movement have have we so regressed in the United States of America that this is what passes for entertainment? Like honestly, if this is what entertainment has become, it needs to die. We need to go back to reading books or getting a walk in in the fresh air or something. How about just put together a puzzle? Let's do a nice puzzle yeah. instead of watching I, that. I, listen, fill out a crossword puzzle, whatever. But, I mean, if this is what entertainment has come to, then we have failed as a society. Then we in the United States of America have to have a long, hard look inside of ourselves because these people are openly causing permanent damage and and again you only get one brain you only get one heart and once you screw those things up sometimes there's no recovery i was lucky you know i, I survived a uh, 100% blockage widow make a heart attack i had a moderate stroke i'm the lucky one but if you think i would sit there and let somebody slap me for two grand. Two grand. That's that's what some of these people were talking about. Yeah, they got like two thousand. What can you, can you not pay the rent? Like, can you not turn tricks to pay the rent? You have to go get slapped in the face. The whole thing is the lowest of the low, and it's just it's just a crap show. And again, I'm not surprised Dana White's involved in all of it. They said that this this league that they have could become the UFC of, of slapping. Let's hope it dies. Let's hope all of this dies. Again, even I have an ounce of humanity about me that I'm not wishing permanent brain damage on people. But you talk about some of those Cro-Magnon people that are on those shows and inviting brain damage. You know what? Sometimes natural selection is at work, and, you know, sometimes you reap what you sow and all that. But it is the ultimate just trash television show on 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 a, on a major cable network. I need to talk to Steve Coonan and say, wait a second. Right. You know, you know everybody over there. You need to get that thing off the air. And the only reason they delayed it is because... The guy who's running it was slapping his wife on on video. I mean, and how how did that pitch even go to the cable network? And why right. did they even pick that up? Right. Hey, I got a great idea. We're gonna have people come on here and just slap each other to yeah, death. Like I could see, like if it was on Vice or some ridiculous or Zeus channel. or something yeah, like that. But it's on TBS. Hey, yeah, yeah. Just put more of that uh, Dwayne Wade show on there. I'd rather you put that on there. That game show with I'd, Dwayne Wade. I'd rather you just run a color test pattern on TV for an hour right. than do all of that. And that's what's bugging Chuckery. All right, when we come back, are we still doing the tease of the week? Because I got a good tease here.
Are we still doing the tease of the week? Are we still handing out dinners and stuff like that? I believe the tease of the week has uh, stopped. Mike sent okay. an email that it was stopped until he he finds a budget for it. Okay. All right. Well. So yeah, because uh, we we well, we run up too many checks okay. getting all these dinners. Okay. Well, yeah, I was gonna say they still owe us a dinner because right. that was a three time winner, three time, three time, three time winner, three time in a row too, right? Uh, no, not in a row. But two time in a row. Yeah, two time in a row, but three time overall. All right. Let's have the tease of the uh, the week. Houston, we may have a problem if we don't bring Justin home. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92 on the game, Odyssey.com app.